Blog Talk Radio. Mike, Mike Carter, and Mike Bozich with you, and uh, for the very first time, we're, we're live sitting in front of each other, Mike. Yeah, how terrific is that, but I'll tell you, we've got a great show for you today, Mike. Yeah, definitely. we got a ton coming up. Uh, we're going to talk with George Teague here in just a couple of minutes. Larry Reinheimer is going to join us, and Joanne Looney King will also be here, and our man Darren Zakali is back uh, tonight as well to talk about the PBG finals coming up with BMG. Uh, Mike, uh, on, and uh, I think we're going to start with George T here in just a couple of minutes, correct? Yeah, we certainly are. But uh, what a nasty day here today in the Mid Atlantic. I've got to tell you, had 14 races today, uh, Mike and Harris, Philadelphia, and it was just nasty outside. And of course, you had a long drive here from uh, Buffalo, and uh, you had to take a little bit of the scenic route there. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it was just a terrible day out there. Hats off to the, the horsemen and everybody that put on a great show despite the conditions here today, Mike. Yeah, definitely, uh, Mike. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to quickly play a brief word from our sponsor, and then uh, we've got a little bit of a George Teague intro, and it will bring George in. This is Post Up Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. We've got George Tinker to join us here in just a moment of uh, Team Wiggle and Jiggle it. More on that in a moment. Plus, we'll have Joanne Looney King joining us. She'll talk Wakazashi Hannibal and some other things. Larry Reinheimer, we had a chance to sit here with him a little bit earlier on, and we'll talk to him as well as uh, Dan Sokali coming up uh, towards uh, the end of the program, and we'll uh, touch on some of the stakes action uh, at the Meadowlands coming up. But first, let's bring in George Teague. My man, how you doing? Good, good. Everything's well. All right. Well, we just heard uh, in your little bit of an intro that uh, we put together for you. We just heard Wiggle and Jiggle it pretty much romp home uh, in the matron. And I guess first things first, George, how did he uh, How did he come out of the race? Everything good? Real good. It, you know, it's almost amazing for a horse to start in January racing and uh, look that sharp and physically sound uh, in the mid-November, and he just looked like he did all season, really pretty fresh. 
And you know, George, that's actually what I was going to ask you next, because in an earlier article, and I looked up an article, I think it was back in July, where, you know, this horse basically started the race in January, and it was kind of your guys' mission and goal to keep him sound throughout the year, which is obviously not a very easy thing to do for a racehorse. Talk about what you had to do to keep Wiggle It Jiggle It uh, kind of going uh, in, throughout the whole year. You know what? You know, we found a couple of issues that was bothering that I didn't see, and we had a little bit of a gap in between. I think it was about a three weeks to a month in one race, and took him up to Jersey to a veterinarian named Dr. Mitchell, and he kind of diagnosed him with a little bit something different that we've been working on, and combination of what we've been working on and what he had diagnosed, and hey, look, he's better now than he ever was. So, now George, uh, this is Mike Carter. Uh, we talked some a little bit just. Been racing very well, and he really looks sharp in the matron stakes. Uh, talk about that race just a little bit. Uh, how was that uh, race for you guys? That uh, uh, he looked very sharp as always. Uh, didn't look like he had any issues there. No, he was. He was good. He actually got a good trip though. With Walker Shock, he was cutting it out, and he definitely wasn't at his the best. And you know, I don't know if he just coming up a little sick or something, but he definitely wasn't the horse uh, we've been racing against, and it really wasn't a fair race for him because he's much better than what he showed that night. But no, he, you know, he just got a good trip. He, he kind of brushed beside Walker Shockey up the backside, and and the rest was history all around the last turn, but he looked awesome again. George, let's go a little bit back in time. Uh, when did you guys know that uh, Wiggle It Jiggle It was going to be something special? I mean, when it, at what point did you guys say, wow, we've got something really special here? You know what? It's kind of hard to tell. When you, I start breeding homebreds, and that's kind of a uh, – you kind of underestimated him, and that's why I did the first. I mean, it's actually the second year I ever started uh, doing the homebred deal. And and you look at these kind of horses, you think, well, they can't be that great. And, but as time went on and time went on, and Clyde had mentioned in a while, I don't know, we got down around 2-5, he said, I don't know, this guy seems to be about as good as anything we've ever had. And, uh, you know, that would come as a high praise. And I said, eh, well, we'll see. But, no, I trained him at home one day. I trained him a mile 58, but I trained some real good horses. And the uh, best one I ever trained there was 57 and I had a real good horse going 59, he went 58, and I was pulling him up. So, you know, things like that there and kind of give you the inkling that he was about as good as Clyde thought he was. And, uh, hey, look, he was right. I give him all the props, and he's a great horse. Now, George, uh, a couple weeks ago we had Montreux on the show, and he said that there was another uh, Mr. is really good, but he, he made the comment. He said, Dad's always right. Uh, tell us a little bit about that other horse that, uh, you know, uh, Montreux made it very clear, Dad, Dad's always right. <laughs> no, we kind of play a little game amongst each other, and, and I told him, you pick your pick, and uh, I'll pick mine. And this horse here had a lot of athleticism. But, but the other horses are Wiggles also. He just didn't stay sound. He liked him for good reason. He was built like a powerhouse, and he seemed to be able to match this colt for speed uh, in the early stages of it, just a real handsome horse. So he had all the qualities, but, you know, he just he just didn't stay sound. Um, so Montreal didn't have a bad pick, but I will brag a little bit. Mine was a little bit better. George, let's go back to the uh, Little Brown Jug. Now, of course, the first heat, you guys, uh, it was a tough first over grind against Art Speak, uh, track record at the uh, 149 and two performance there. And then uh, you go to the second heat, and obviously one of the best, if not the best, harness horse races that I certainly have ever seen. The dramatic grinding comeback. I've watched the replay probably about a couple hundred times uh, against Lost for Words, and uh, it never gets old. You know, now the time has passed a little bit, and it's, uh, you know, it had a little bit of opportunity to sink in for you, George. Take us through that day. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a buzz of a day for us. I mean, we come in with a, with, a, with a big expectation, especially being his record coming into it, and he had done a few things on a half-mile track that horses have never done. So that was kind of exciting coming in. A lot of people had made references that came out just to see him, so that made it more and more fun. But when he lined up in the first race, he had the five-hole. And uh, he didn't leave real strong, but he left all right. He floated up, got away third, and he had to crank it up first over as soon as he hit the uh, front, you know, a little past the quarter there. And, and But, you know, every time he goes to post, man, I got a lot of confidence. When he comes first over, I thought he was fine. But I noticed he wasn't handling the turns very well. I mean, he was running in a little bit more than what he had been. And I think that's really kind of hindered him more than anything else to even make him, you know, not being cocky, but making him even close. He just wasn't handling the turns that day. And uh, the first trip kind of gets overshadowed definitely by the second trip. But, you know, if you waited the first trip and how big a trip that was on any uh, any other given day, any other given race, that race there would be the race of a lifetime. And he just he, he just was so impressive with that one. And, and you know, and turn it back about an hour later and done what he'd done in the second, he was just unbelievable. 
he actually cranked it up a little bit earlier, a little past the quarter, right past the quarter, because you know they started pulling early, and he looked the horse in the eye for a long, long time, and went and was going full tilt. So that's something I have never seen before. So even if it had a stretch, I thought he was done. You know, but I've never seen him get tired, and that's you know, especially got a target. So, but hey, look, I lift my head back up. He was uh, he was still fighting, and he and for where I was sitting, I thought he had won. When I saw Montreal come in front of us, kind of propping his hands up, it was kind of official for me then. So, now George, that was a a big grinding effort by him uh, at the little round. But Montreal said, uh, or at least he said to me, that uh, he didn't necessarily want to be uh, first up in the first heat, and he you know. He came first up and handled it like a champ. Was there ever a concern that he just couldn't couldn't do the first trip, or you know, can he just race from just about anywhere? He can race from anywhere. That's one good thing about this horse here, man. You can you can put him in position. And I made the quote before I even went out there. You know, this horse here is a little bit of a session because he don't need to take a trip. You know, he can take more air than a normal horse, and he ain't got to be on the front end. So, you know, I kind of called up before we got there, and you know, they kind of raced different that day. You know, the race is just totally different. They kind of race all that in them races. And I've been there a few times, and I haven't always thought the best horse won because, you know, it depends a lot on racing luck. And then, to be honest with you, the second heat, I didn't think our racing luck was that easy because he made a little skip in the first turn. Um, so, but, no, he, he, you know, just make reference to how great he is. So, Looking ahead, George, the uh, Hat Pants and Progress place uh, coming up, uh, the eliminations on Monday. I believe there's only one elimination. And you're basically facing – a lot of the horses that you, that you faced uh, throughout the season, Delta winner and uh, dudes, the man, uh, how's this horse uh, coming into uh, the action Monday at Dover? Uh, real good. You know, I trained him up a little bit yesterday and uh, he, he's just funny because every time I train him, man, I, I even get off the, off the jock cart saying, wow, you know, he just blows me away. Just on a normal training off of him is like, you know, he just wants to do a full tilt and such a smooth gait and, such power and such speed, man. He just is just a pleasure to even train him. Montreal can do the drive, but I like to do the training because I get my own high on that one. <laughs> now, George, it's uh, you know you've talked all along. It's a team effort. It's a family effort. I give you the next couple seconds. Let's give some uh, let's give some credit to the unsung heroes. Some of the the guys that uh, and gals that don't get the headlines. Go ahead. Oh, that's easy. Big Mike. I mean, you know, he, he's there in the in the trenches every day. And sometimes he's not easy to take care of. Clyde Francis, he does all the work, really. Clyde and Mike oversees him, and, he, and he, when he goes on the road, Clyde does everything to him. I, I'm not nowhere around and he does a great job. And, uh, hey, look, even for Tommy Kugel, Tommy raised him, and, and, he, and he's around them all the time. So and the guy's back at the barn, man. The horse like gets here, like you said, he gets a lot of attention, whether he wants it or not. So, it, and they do a great job. I got very little to do with it periodically. I sit in the jock cart and train him and jog him, so. All right, what can we look forward to uh, in the four-year-old campaign? Well, I hope another good season. I don't see why not. You know, the competition always gets stiffer, but I think he's a horse for the course, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I think it would always be uh, be Mickey and and Freaky Pete Pete and Fold again, and uh, I I think he's definitely going to breed a big buzz, and if these three or four or five horses come back, it should be a lot of good races. I'm really looking forward to it because I still think I got one of the best, if not the best. It's going to be a great 2016, but I got to tell you, George, it was a, it was a hell of a ride in 2015, and and it was a great year to be a harness racing fan, and, and just uh, I mean with Wiggle It Jiggle It and Freaky V Pete and Wakazashi Hanum, just this great crop of three year olds. Uh, it was uh, certainly a, a great great 2015, and George, I really appreciate you joining us here today. Oh, thank you guys for having me. All right, thank, thank you very much, George. No problem. That was George. All right, that was George Teague, and uh, I'll tell you what, Mike Wiggle It Jiggle. It's certainly one of the the greatest. I would have to say, uh, certainly one of the greatest races in that little brown jug that that I've ever seen. And it was interesting, interesting because, because, you know, when I was doing some of the research for this, uh, Mike, and and looking back at some of the articles, coming home battling loss for words. George Teague said pretty much as they were coming down the stretch, or actually when they were midway around that far term and loss for words was really making the headway, they're saving the ground. George says, I can't look. I can't look. He thought he was beat. Yeah, he definitely thought he was beat. And uh, I'll tell you what, I talked with George and Montreal both on that day, and it was something else to watch those two just together in the winter circle. You know, the family affair is definitely, definitely, definitely a huge thing. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was 
yeah, and that's the great thing about actually this whole sport, Mike. Not only uh, you know with, with George and the family effort there with Wiggle It Jiggle It and uh, you know the other horses that they have, but uh, harness racing in general. It, it's kind of a family affair uh, in a lot of different respects in a lot of different stables uh, in at all the racetracks across the country. And that's the great thing actually about harness racing. And uh, we're going to hear from uh, a couple of more of those families, actually. We've got Joanne Looney King coming up here in just a couple of moments. Uh, Larry Reinheimer, we had a chance to talk to him uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, it was a good sit-down interview. We'll have a chance to hear from him. And uh, that's all coming up pretty soon, Mike. Yeah, that's all coming up next. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Joanne Looney King joins. And uh, we also have Larry Reinheimer a little bit later on. This is Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by a friend in their bread. Post Time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also, so on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand in hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. All right, we're back. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter, post time with Mike and Mike uh, at about quarter after seven on a Thursday night. Don't forget you can check us out on the archive, blogtalkradio.com. And uh, you can also, uh, Mike, you can uh, also follow us on social media. You could uh, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all that good social media. You're the director of social media. I, I know I stepped on some toes there, but uh, that's okay. And as long as they make out the check to you, we're good. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, coming up right now is uh, Joanne Looney King, and we've actually got a uh, a special intro for uh, Joanne, and uh, we're going to go ahead and let that fly right now. Plays it all on the line. Here to the upside comes Walker Zashi Hanover to take his best crack at him. Wiggle and jiggle and put to pressure. Walker Zashi Hanover on the outside comes by. And it's key trick and Walker Zashi Hanover off the dreamy two-hole trip. Crown him the king of the Pepsi North America Cup. Now, we certainly had to throw in a little bit of the celebration at the end of that race, Joanne, because uh, it was uh, quite a celebration in the winner's circle, it sounded like to me. Oh, my God. I still I still live that night. I live that, that stretch, Ron. And the, 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 I didn't even want to leave the winner's circle. I think two races later, I was still down there talking to people. <laughs> but it was... Uh, well, that was the thrill of a lifetime. There's, I don't know anything's ever going to top that night. <laughs> yeah, take us through that race, Joanne. What were you thinking as the race was progressing? Well, you know, of course, Kim Tietrick is the master of getting a horse into position. And we just felt that this, honestly, we felt it was our night from, night from the beginning. We walked in that paddock. Our horse was really, really on his toes. Everything was just going so good and uh you know we just kind of thought the race was going to set up like that and uh, i all i all i was hoping was that he could apply some pressure and finish the job and when he did it was just uh, dreams coming true all over the place <laughs> it was another chapter of just a great season as far as the three-year-old colton gelding paces are concerned um how did wakazashi come out of come out of the matron obviously backed up a little bit there is everything good yeah, no, no, he is on Lasix now, and he's done for the season. Uh, it, it's pretty unfortunate. I really wanted to finish these last two races, and then uh, the matron, and then the progress. I really wanted to go there. You know, that's my home home uh, 
backtracked over and uh, never raced in the progress. So I'm really kind of disappointed, but you have to hear what your horse is saying to you. And he he said he was he said he was done. So I uh, scoped him and uh, didn't look good. And uh, he's going to be leaving to go to North Carolina to Chris Coyle's farm, which they call the Concierge to the Stars, and that's just about right. So he's getting ready to go there shortly for a rest, and the only thing I can do now is look forward to 2016 and uh, hope we can pull out some good races. Uh, Joanne, let's talk a little bit about you for a moment now. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, you've been in the business for for a little bit, and uh, you were a driver back in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, I mean, obviously, that, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, it's a, it's a male-dominated sport, so to speak. So tell us a little bit from your perspective what it was like uh, and some of the obstacles you had to overcome, Joanne, being a, a woman driver back in the 70s and 80s. Well, I had to overcome huge obstacles. I had to overcome judges that didn't want me to drive at their tracks because they felt that a woman driving was a frivolous whim. Uh, I, I had to overcome a lot of things. Uh, you know, people people, people in the grandstand, that never bothered me being called names or yelled at, and that's just part of it. But uh, when I had to buck up against the judges, that was pretty tough, pretty tough. They, they you know, regardless of what the uh, <laughs> the government says or the the uh, laws are, they still kind of run their own tracks. But, you know, that's all. A lot of that's changed now, or most of it's changed as far as discriminating against women drivers. But, hey, I had a good time. I had my own little stable. I loved doing what I did, and uh, I did okay. I did okay. Now, Joanne, where exactly did you get your training start at? Um, where was your first training training uh, win? And uh, so far, you know, granted, you had a season with Wakazashi Hanover, but, uh, Throughout all of your time training, uh, what's your favorite horse? Uh, well, you know, I think it kind of goes at the time. Well, oh gosh, this was my favorite. That was my favorite. Of course, he, he, Walkie's going to give me thrills that nobody else has ever given me. Uh, I don't own him, but as far as it goes for training a horse, that's that's been just the greatest. Uh, owning a purse perfect bags, she's been she's just been another dream come true this year. Uh, I own her and. Um, it's that that's been fun. Uh, I can't even tell you how much fun this year has been. Uh, it, it's just been crazy good. You also did some broadcasting. Uh, tell us what it was like being the first TV host at the Meadowlands. Oh yeah, me and um, Jay Farrar started that off years ago. We were the first people to do that show. We knew nothing. We didn't know anything about anything. We just sat there and kind of talked and looked at each other and uh, did a stretch run and. Uh, uh, it's come a long way since uh, me and Jay Farrar were doing that show, but uh, you know, once again, it was a great, it was a great, uh, great, great time to do that, and uh, uh, we, we we had we had fun, we had fun. But like I said, we weren't the most professional, or at least I wasn't, but uh, we 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 did our best. Back to Wakazashi Hanover, uh, Joanne. Uh, three of the six owners uh, have never owned a horse before. I'm talking about the owners of Wakazashi Hanover. And, uh, you know, when he races, uh, something I've been reading, everybody uh, wears something yellow. Now, what's that all about? Well, one of the owner's wives saw my husband wear a yellow shirt one night. Of course, since we're, we're, we're um, you know, Tim Tietrich, huge Tim Tietrich fans, as you know, we try to bring out a little bit of yellow and put away some of that red and green once in a while. Uh, so um, one of the owner's wives saw my husband with his yellow shirt on, and she said, um, oh, Wakasashi yellow. Jimmy, wear that shirt again next week. Make sure you do. So then all of a sudden we all started wearing Wakasashi yellow. And, uh, you know, it, I, our, our driver's yellow, and we, we consider uh, Wakasashi yellow a good lucky color. Joanne, was it now that color is it, is it worn in after or during every race? I think I've gone yellow every race except the last one. I don't know what happened. I wore pink, so I won't be wearing pink anymore. I'm going right back to yellow. But uh, oh yeah, it's yellow, yellow, right? Joanne, uh, time for some shout-outs. We know you can't do it all yourself. Talk about some of the people behind the scenes that make it possible. Well, of course, my husband, everybody knows my husband's the hardest working man in harness racing. And I got to tell you, I got a good, I got some good people. I've got, 
I call them, I, I've just got some good people. They they don't leave until the work is done. They work hard. Kate, Phil, Sandy, the, Dave, they, they work so hard, and Phil has been so instrumental with them. Walkie doing a good job with him, and uh, I'm kind of tough. I, I I like things done right, and uh, the the whole group. We're we're small stable. We like to be hands on. I want to touch my horses. I want to see their legs. I want to see what they look like. Are they eating? Is everything all right with them? I'm a worry work work, but I have some good people that um, help me help me with that. And of course, like I said, my husband. What, what can I say about him other than he's just the best? What in the world's a Wakazashi? Uh, it's a sword. It's a sword, and um, I knew that. Used... I knew that. I, I, I knew that. That's what it sounded like. You had but I just to. didn't know for sure. I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear it from you. Yeah, you had to know that. It, it, it's a sword they used. Uh, oh, I don't know for suicides and all that kind of stuff they did. But uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 everybody has a hard time saying it, but it's exactly the way it's spelled. Wakasashi. Well, he, I know that he dueled, uh, and pardon the pun there, he dueled with Wiggling Foot every once in a while. But uh, I'll tell you what, I really liked him in the Pepsi North America Cup, and he looked very strong in that race. Now, he went to Hoosier Park and won a race out there. How did he look after that race and he, uh, against Freaky Feet Pete, who uh, round and won the Breeders' Crown? Um, you, after, you, now, what did you, you said, how did he look after uh the, the the Hoosier Park race and then going to yeah, the Breeders' Crown. Yeah, you know he faced Freaky Feed Pete, and uh, I know Freaky Feed Pete had been one of the dominating horses in Indiana. Uh, yeah, and you know he came out of that race good, and he was good. And when he went to Canada, we just kind of had a feeling he wasn't on his toes, but you know we'd had him bedded, we'd had him scoped. Everything seemed okay. Nobody was too concerned. But when he got up there in the Breeders' Crown, his first race I thought was less than stellar. It was he was second, beat by a good horse. Art speak, nothing wrong with getting beat by him. But of course, uh, he had no pace at all uh, the, the, the night that Freaky Feet Pete beat him. No, no pace at all. And I, I was a little concerned. And me and my husband, we thought, you know, there's something, something's just, just not right. But you know, then you got to put your finger on it. That's not always easy. So, uh, you know, as it turns out now, he 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 bled his last start, and uh, yeah, hey, you know, it's a horse business. That's showbiz. Uh, you know, you're 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 higher than a kite today. You're lower than a snake's belly tomorrow. What are you gonna do? Joanne Looney King joining us on the program. Joanne, listen, we really appreciate it, and uh, it, it, what a great ride in 2015 with all the great racehorses and Wakazashi right there with them. Uh, you know, they were they were trading wins, all three of these horses, and you know, along with Art Speak, were, were trading wins uh, the whole time, and it was such a fun year to be a a, a harness racing fan. And we're looking forward to a great 2016. Absolutely, we'll be back 2016. Let's do it for sure. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Joanne, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. All right. That was Joanne. All right, Joanne. That was Joanne Looney King from uh, Wakizashi Hanover fame. And I'll tell you what, we're definitely going to hear from this horse. uh, No question about it. Along with Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and uh, some of the others in 2016. And to get to to see them horses go up against some of the older greats. Oh, boy, this is going to be a great, great year coming up in harness racing in 2016. We're at the bottom of the hour, Mike. When we come back, uh, we'll have uh, our sit-down with Larry Reinheimer. And we've also got Darren Zocali set to join us. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Freaky Feet Pete. They call him the Indiana Phenom. He's out in front. It's Freaky Feet Pete out in front. Opening up the lead now with every stride lost for words is all out. Leads the way in the American National and cruising home to victory in 148-4, equaling the stakes record here in the American National. Ah, the beautiful tones of Joe Mazzoni calling the American National from Balmoral Park, won by Freaky Feet Pete, which uh, turned out to be his last uh, three-year-old start. And we're joined now by Larry Reinheimer, the trainer of Freaky Feet Pete. And Larry, your son, Marty, 
uh, named this horse because he thought the Colts' feet looked a little strange. Tell us a little bit about the early days of uh, Freaky Feet Pete. Well, out there, we was down racing a couple at the Hoosier Park, and he'd never seen a foal being born. And he called me down there, and he said, uh, Lori just had her cold. And it says, laying out here, and the feet are all funny looking. And I didn't think about what he was talking about at the time, and I said, well, call the vet. I didn't look at it. So he called the veterinary, Jeff King, and our vet. And he got laughing. He said, go out and look at him in a couple hours. So after he went out a couple hours, well, everything was normal. That's how he got his name. The boys, his boys and him come up with the name, Freaky Pete And then he gets to the races. He starts winning some races. And at which point, Larry, do you say to yourself, wow, we've got something special here? After about his third or fourth race, finally done a little changing on him, took his Cassidy Bridle on him and opened him up a little bit. And when Trace was driving, he set him in a hole and everything. Then I thought we had something. Now fast forward to October 10th, Hoosier Park where Freaky Feet Pete defeats Wiggle It Jiggle It in the Indiana Sire Stakes Championship. And at that point, you really had a decision to make. Do you plunk down the 62,000-plus to send Freaky Feet Pete to the Breeders' Crown, or do you just stay in Indiana? Now, when actually, Larry, did you make that decision? Well, actually, we made it that night. I mean, we had sent the check out already. But if I didn't enter him, why the check come back? And we'd already made it, even if he'd have finished second that night, we'd have went. Now, at this point, Larry, you get to the Breeders' Crown at Woodbine. Can you take us through the experience uh, leading up to the race, maybe a couple of minutes prior? Well, yeah, we we was excited about it. We always felt we could compete with everyone. You know, we felt he, there was a bunch of good horses in Indiana racing, and he was handling pretty good. And it was just a, the excitement was overwhelming. And the people were so nice up there. I mean, I couldn't say enough about them. And we just, I mean, when we got there, well, we didn't know what to expect at the elimination. After the eliminations were over with, why, then we thought we were sitting pretty good. It all culminated when Frankie Feedpink crossed the line first to win the Breeders' Crown. What were your thoughts immediately following the race? Oh, I think we, my wife and I both just looked at each other, like what just happened. Uh, I mean, he was just ecstatic about the whole thing. Larry, let's give some shout-outs. First of all, Trace Tietrich, uh, Freaky Feet, Pete's regular driver. You had to give him a lot of instruction before each and every race, sir. Do you pretty much give him the reins and say, go get him? Nope, I just hand him the lines and say, good luck and be safe. He knows the horse, the horse and him get along just fine, and I don't give him any instructions. But I could tell you before the race just about the way it's going to happen. Larry, who else has been helping you throughout this whole process? Well, it's been just me and my wife and Marty, my boy. That owns Marty. It's just been the three of us. Now that you've had time uh, to reflect on 2015, your thoughts on Freaky Feet Paint's magical run? I just, I mean, we just can't, I just can't believe it. What a season we've had. The people at his hometown here, I mean, he's been in the paper down here and everything, and it just it just blows me away. The people, you go uptown and say, how's Pete? I mean, that's the talk of the town. Larry Reinheimer, trainer of Frankie Feet Pete. We'll have more when we come back on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. 
Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable. And if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter and Mike Bozich joining you. And we're now joined by the Director of Racing Operations at the Meadowlands, Darren Zaccati. Darren, uh, we're going to have you back on this week, man. Mike and Mike in the evening. Good to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Mike and Mike in the evening. Well, Darren, you guys have a fantastic program coming up uh, this weekend uh, between the Goldsmith Made. You guys have uh, a lot of other stakes races, including the TVG as well. Uh, Let's dive right in if if you're ready to do so. Oh, absolutely, sure. All right, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, race number two. It's the uh, Goldsmith Made Final for two-year-old Philly Trotters. And, Darren, I'll tell you what, all the time looked very sharp last week and is definitely a deserving of the uh, four-to-five morning line. Uh, but double exposure raced very well. How did you uh, look into this race? I mean, obviously all the time was fairly dominant. I thought double exposure really answered the bell well in her first major test. She had to go first over on a night where, you know, the winds were just uh, just terrible in terms of trying to be able to close into fractions. It was a very strong home stretch headwinds. And uh, she had to go first over, and not just first over from, you know, a short distance, but she came from about six, about six lengths out of it. Really did it all on her own. And while she never threatened the favorite, uh, I thought she certainly raced well through the stretch to be able to hold her ground and, and maintain the runner-up spot. And, uh, I feel if you're going to handicap the race for the intent on beating the favorite, I think double exposure, if she can earn a better trip, is, is a logical candidate. You know, Darren, Mike Bozich here, and, and we'll save the, the Giants-Patriots talk in, until after our segment here, but uh, <laughs> the, I had to bring it up. But we'll talk about that later. But anyway, the Goldsmith made, um, we talked about all the time. You know, a horse that we talked about last week, a uh, woman's will, a horse coming out of the matron a couple of uh, weeks back, uh, looked very, very good there. And uh, I don't know, maybe post difficulties last time? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot up against her. I think the post, it was really just a weird night, to be honest with you guys. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't really overemphasize the, uh, you know, the win, the win situation. And it was extremely difficult to, to close into fractions. If you were, you know, on an outside post without much speed, I think you were really up against it. And um, we really kind of saw that play out all night on Friday. And even on Saturday, it kind of lingered a bit. Where if you look through the charts, I don't think uh, – I think there was only one horse who was uh, farther back than fourth at the opening quarter to win. So uh, it was just a it was just a tough uh, night. If you drew outside without speed and things of that nature, it certainly made things difficult for you. All right, Darren, the next race that we want to talk about is the seventh race. It's the TVJ Mayor's Open Pace. And I'll tell you what, this is an action-packed field between Katie said, Sam Between Your Toes, uh, Cutter Virgin, who was a Breeders' Crown winner, uh, Jersey Licious is back. This is a uh, wide-open race. What do you think here? Yeah, wide-open, uh, to say the least. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Venus Delight burned some cash again last time out. Uh, she's going to have to rebound. You got a great price on Sam Between Your Toes. I can't believe she paid $10 because she was coming off of a real trouble trip in the Breeders' Crown final. I went back to Galley by the Beach, who I thought raced well. I thought she was locked in with pace and finished up nicely. Uh, I think she could certainly be forward be placed in a short field and, and should be prominent from start to finish. Uh, but really, on paper, uh, there's probably any any way of five different directions you can go and make a legitimate argument. Yeah, it's certainly a good one, Darren. Uh, definitely, like like you like to say, demand value. But I think Katie said has got a pretty good chance. And I have to remember, she had this Breeders' Crown race one until she made a break uh, very yes. late in the race. And then she was first over at the Harris Philly back on the sixth against Galley by the Beach, who's in this race. But this is a horse, once again, that, uh, you know, last time uh, may have been uh, hampered by the conditions that uh, we just spoke of. Oh, completely compromised by, by trip, by wind, by pace scenario, by everything. I mean, that race from Katie said is a complete toss-out. If she could uh, cycle back to one of her better efforts, uh, she's certainly in the conversation as a win contender. 
All right, moving right along, Darren, the Three Diamonds uh, final uh, race, number eight uh, for two-year-old Philly Paces. This kind of an interesting race. You got a field of eight here, Yankee Moonshine, uh, the eight-to-five favorite. But uh, how, how good is Pen Pal, a horse that kind of came from nowhere a little bit? You know, I, I picked her in this spot, Mike. Um, very impressive visually. Uh, her race was certainly paced and wind-aided. And uh, with the exception of J.K. Fanny, who was in that field and in this field as well, there really was not a whole lot in that non-winners of two, but the way she did it visually was very impressive. She looks to be extremely sharp right now. Uh, to me, she's the counter to Yankee Moonshine, if you're going to try to beat the favorite in this spot. Uh, a nice up-and-coming young filly uh, on, the, at the, uh, on the latter part of the season. I think Pentel has a big chance here. Now, Darren, Yankee Moonshine uh, won her Breeders' Crown elimination and then sort of faltered uh, in the final. Took a couple of Do you think that about Yankee Moonshine some? Yeah, I'm, when any when anybody gets beat by pure country, I try not to really hold it against them too badly. So, you know, the fact that she won her elimination, I give it as a positive. Last time out, nobody was beating the favorite. I mean, that, that filly up in uh, up pure country, she's just an absolute beast. So, uh, I mean, she could certainly bounce back and win here. Um, you know, this field is probably, I would say, the more top-heavy of these, of these four final fours in terms of, uh, talent. I think that the high end, you know, the Pen Pals and Yankee Moonshines of the world, I, I don't think you really have to look a lot farther than that. Now, now uh, I just want it to be known, Pure Country was Bozich's uh, $2 show bet, okay, because that was the horse he was riding in that race. But uh, <laughs> So, all right, Darren, well, the 12th race is up next. It's the TVG Mares Open Trot, and it uh, features uh, Be a Magician versus Shake It Carry and Classic Martine. Uh, how did you take a look at this race, and who did you like? Well, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. When you start with being a magician, obviously the race last week, I mean, is a complete toss-out in purposes of handicapping the race. I mean, she was completely compromised by trip, by pace. Um, you know, the race preview that I wrote in the program, I, I mean, I kind of laid out that, uh, you know, she's not the fastest off the gate. And if Brian, you know, isn't blasting with her, she could certainly find herself with too much left to do. And, that, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, now we kind of have a little bit of a reversal here. She slides in a couple of spots. Classic Martine moves outside. Uh, that being said, Shaky Carry is still going to the front, and Be a Magician is going to have to find a way to chase her down. And, and Be a Magician is, is not as sharp right now as she was earlier in the season, while Shaky Carry seems to be peaking. Uh, I prefer Shaky Carry in this spot. I think she's very dangerous here, and, and certainly potential for her to go wire to wire. Okay, Darren, moving along to uh, Saturday's program, the second race. Uh, it's a uh, a compact field of three-year-old Philly Trotters, the Continental Victory. And uh, once again, it looks like Mission Brief uh, versus Wild Honey. And you broke my man Mike Carter's uh, heart because he wanted to take his $2 to show on Mission Brief here, but you cost him his dime, but that's good. <laughs> Mission Brief versus Wild Honey, buddy. Is, that, is there anything else here? Nah, I, listen, I'm bold in leaving in show betting. I'm not crazy. Uh, you know, four-horse field. With Mission Brief, it's going to be hard to, to let that one go. Uh, That's I mean, a card you know, I'll forgive you this time, but the card will forgive I, I you this time. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, obviously, the top two scared everybody away. Um, you know, I mean, it's a very interesting situation. Wild Honey has had the better season on paper in terms of the races that she's won, being the Hamiltonian Oaks, the Kentucky uh, Philly Futurity, and the Breeders' Crown. Mission Brief is clearly the more talented and the more brilliant of the two, and if she shows up with her A game, Wild Honey can't beat her. If you try to get cute in this race in terms of exactives, you, you, I think the only argument you can make is if Mission Grief shows up with another monstrous effort where she's just ripping through wild fractions, which is not likely in a four-horse field, but sometimes she's on cruise control and just goes. And Wild Honey is forced to really kind of stick with her through strong fractions. It's possible that one of the other two can pick up pieces late to round out the exacta, but off of what I saw at Dover last week, guys, I don't see any way that you could pick against Mission Brief in the spot. Yeah, Darren, I totally agree with you. Uh, let's move on to the fifth race. It's the Valley Victory Final for two-year-old Open Trotters. And, Darren, I'll tell you what, looking at this race, I, I see about maybe five or six horses that could win. I like Weightlifter K. Doggone Lucky put in a monster effort last week. But Milligan School is another horse that uh, – it needs to be watched out for, only missing by a neck to weightlifter K last week. Uh, what do you think of this race here? I think this race is a lot more competitive than people realize. Uh, doggone lucky, obviously, riding a very long win streak coming into this, and this looked very good. He did hold on, uh, just as you said, Milligan School, I thought would put up a great effort last time out. 
Um, but for me, you know, I, 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 when I was on TBG, I made note of this horse because I, I noted that he's not very good on the turns, but in the straight, if you watch him in his qualifiers and his races, he can flat out fly, and that's make or miss. I mean, if you go back and watch that stretch drive last week of his elimination, this horse was absolutely like he was shot out of a cannon in the final three sixteenths of a mile. And I believe he, I believe his final quarter was a second faster than anybody else in the race. I think he went 27 and one and nobody else went better than 28 and one. If he can find a way to stay close, get in and out of flow where he's not buried down inside, because that's where he has trouble on the turns is when he gets pinned down inside. If he can get into an out of flow, stay close enough, that turn of foot can absolutely bring him into the picture. And if Bongiorno puts a good steer on him in this race, uh, I think young Joe Bongiorno uh, might be setting up for the uh, biggest win of his young career. Yeah, certainly the price looks to be right, at least uh, 6-1 to one in the morning line. Uh, Darren Zocali, Director of race, uh, Racing Operations, joining us from the Meadowlands. We're taking a look at the big weekend of racing coming up uh, at the Big M. Uh, continuing with this race, though, you know, Marion Marauder, Darren, was a horse that I, I kind of mentioned last week, and he was actually bet down to the favorite of the eliminations, finished third, and that was uh, after a couple of uh, good second-place finishes to Southwind Frank. Did, did this horse uh, offer anything here to you? He's got to find a way into the race, Mike. It's kind of like the same thing as last week. He, he's not very fast off the gate. He's not real handy. Scott has to be a little bit careful with him early in the mile. We saw that last week. That's really the way it is in all of his races. And being outside here, he's going to have to you know, find a way into the race a bit sooner. Uh, the, I think there'll be a lively clip. I think there'll be a live outer flow. But he's going to have to be able to catapult, catapult past horses like Doggone Lucky and like make or miss, and that's going to be a tall order. I think at this point, given the way the race shapes up and where he is situated, I think he's more likely to round out exotics than win. All right, Darren, the next race we want to talk about is the seventh race. It's the TVG free-for-all final open trot. Uh, it features the bank, who looked very good last week, but Resolve, I, I was very impressed by Resolve's performance last week. Of course, EL Titan is back. Uh, what, where did you go here? This is another weapon affair. Yeah, I mean, Resolve is, is a very nice trotter, and if you allow any free-flow trotter, you know, to coast through fractions of 28 and change and 58 and change, you're just not going to catch him. And I think that's what happened last week. Uh, I thought E.L. Titan put forth a great effort first over, kept coming, didn't give an inch, didn't uh, didn't yield any ground, was able to save that runner-up spot. Uh, I came back to him in this spot just because he's not going to be favored. Uh, if he can find a better trip here and assume that the pace is more lively, I certainly give him a big chance uh, this week to turn the tables. The bank is the wild card, the three-year-old against older. It's very interesting to see Jimmy Tactor take a shot here. Uh, he beat Pinkman in the Breeders' Crown, and you would have to think that Pinkman would have as good a shot as any in this field. Uh, you always uh, do question, can the three-year-old beat older, and maybe if he's on his best, he can. Uh, I think Milady's Monet from the inside with uh, a bit of a, a trip here uh, with a bit more pace in front of him might be able to get involved late. He's very sharp as well. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's probably four horses, I think maybe the inside four that could probably win this race. Uh, but for me, I'm going to see if E.L. Titan can work on a trip this time. That's going to be a fun one. I'll tell you another fun one, Darren's going to be the eighth, the two-year-old uh, Governor's Cup uh, open uh, for the Pacers. It also starts the $50,000 guaranteed pick uh, four in the purses over uh, $400,000. And Big Top Hanover looking to string another uh, win together. He's looking for his third straight, the winner of the Matron. And, uh, you know, he looked like it from the chart. I didn't actually get a chance to see the race, but it looked like from the chart he overcame kind of a tough trip to uh, to win that when he was parked out to the quarter, although the quarter really wasn't that much. But then, of course, you got Boston Red Rocks, who was the favorite last time finishing second. And there's some other possibilities in here as well. Yeah, Big Top, uh, you know, he ended up getting parked a bit and found the, the two-old trip and, and just kind of parlayed that to a win. He's a good-looking, strong horse, though. He kind of blew by the speed there in the stretch, opened up at will, uh, and then, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, gathered up to, down to the wire, saved some, I think, for the wire. Uh, the, the horse up the inside there, though, I thought it was interesting, that J.K. Willpower, who I picked last week, and it really gave you a good run for your money. Um, not often that these two-year-olds want to really come up the inside on you, and, and uh, that's a bit of a daunting thing to ask a horse to do. If he could find a way into an outer flow where he can catapult on the outside, I think J.K. Willpower has a big chance. Boston Red Rocks, he's going to be stacked up here. It's going to be very similar to the Breeders' Crown. He's going to have a lot of work to do, but this race on paper looks like it's got some speed, and the, the outer flow will be live. Uh, I think we're going to see a wild scramble coming down to the eighth pole, and uh, we'll see who gets uh, to be the last horse to the lead. I think J.K. Willpower has a big chance, though. 
Now, Darren, I was really disappointed by Autotune Hanover uh, last week. Uh, just didn't seem to respond turning for home. Can, and there's a driver change this week to John Campbell as Tim Tietrich, uh, excuse me for not being prepared, is not driving in this week. Oh, excuse me, he's on the eight Boston Red Rocks. Uh, go through that trip that Autotune Hanover. Did he have a troubled trip at all? Yeah, he's a little compromised there. I mean, he had a little bit of pace in the stretch. Um, you know, I mean, he's another one that's going to have to work out a trip here. It's going to be a bit of a challenge for him. Uh, I think on his best, you know, he can he can get into the mix here. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was a little compromised by the trip last week. He had a little traffic, but, uh, you know, nothing glaring that jumps off the page at you. But he's going to need to improve for sure. All right, moving right along, Darren. The 11th race is uh, this is going to be a fun one. A mile and an eighth tarpaulin happened. Uh, you got a field of 12 doing battle here, and uh, Divine Caroline uh, certainly didn't bring her A game from the matron, so she's going to have to get back on track. Uh, what do you make of this one? Yeah, she just ran into a buzzsaw that night that wasn't losing. Uh, uh, first time on a barn change, the winner there, Mosquito Blue Chip. Uh, you know, I, I think that Divine Caroline's the worst to beat. I think Bedroom Confessions is a filly that's uh, really getting good as the year goes on, and she draws inside in the 12 horse field. I think she has a big chance. I went to Sasa Hanover, though, right in the middle of the field. I thought her breeders' ground was really good. She's another one that was completely compromised by the trip last time and her most recent start at Dover. And, um, you know, being lined up in the middle of the field here is going to give the driver some options. Uh, you know, could take back and rally, can go towards the front, uh, really see how the other horses leave off the gate. And I think the price is certainly going to be right. This is a race where you're going to get a price on just about everybody except maybe bedroom confessions. And uh, and the favorite. So, uh, but I'm going to try Sasa Hanover. Now, Darren, I mean, Gently's qualifier uh, on back on November 12th. I know you, uh, and it was at the Meadows. It looked decent, but do you think that Rock Me Gently can come back from that uh, difficult Breeders' Crown nomination performance? She got enough out of the qualifier. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't believe the Meadows posts uh, the qualifier replay, so I didn't get a chance to see it. The race line certainly looks good. And if she got enough out of it, and she can certainly rebound here. But uh, she's facing an, uh, an over, overloaded field here uh, with a lot of uh, fillies that are really good at the right time. And, you know, if you throw out that matron race, you know, from a couple of these, a lot of these have form that look really, really good. And I think that matron race really is a complete toss-off for the majority of the horses that were in there. So she's going to need to uh, really step up her game and, and take a lot of that qualifier to move forward. Darren, one more to look at the TBG free for all final four hundred thousand uh, dollars uh, on the pace and uh, a solid field of six here. You've got uh, the seven million dollar horse foiled again. You've got JKN de Manera. You've got uh, Market So who won last time out. This is really shaping up to be a good one. Yeah, uh, be honest with you, I, w- I would like to have even more horses in the race. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate there's only six, but uh, I mean the older pacing group kind of beat each other up all year and. You know, we were kind of lobbying to get either Wiggle It, Jiggle It, or Freaky Feet Pete uh, to grab their invitations, but uh, Wiggle It wanted to go in the in the progress, and uh, Freaky Feet Pete's done for the year. But, um, I, I mean, you still have a good field of six here. Uh, for me, the way you handicap this race, J.K. Endevanera, while very talented, very good, has proven to be a bit of a trip horse. Makaso drew the far outside, so you have a couple of questions as to what they're going to do. For me, I think Yannick Jingra goes right to the front with foiled again and, and plays catch me if you can, just like he did in the, in the Hoosier pacing derby. I think he can make the lead very easily here. Somewhere in L.A. has speed, but not the kind of speed of foiled again off the gate. And uh, I don't think he'll have much trouble getting around J.K. end of an era here. I think foiled again is in the spot right here where he can go right to the front and, and never look back and take this field coast to coast. Now, Darren, I don't know what it's like in New Jersey, but in Buffalo, it's been unseasonably warm over the past couple of, uh, past couple of weeks. And uh, I'll tell you, foiled again, to me anyway, is, a, is more of a cold-weather horse. It's going to be a little bit cooler on Saturday night. Do you think that that could help out foiled again just a little bit? It's a good observation. He, he's a horse that if you look at his, uh, you know, his record throughout the course of each season, it, it kind of looks like two peaks with a valley in the middle because he excels earlier in the year when the races are not going in 147. And then when they get to the point where they go 47, uh, you know, talk about July, August, September, he seems to tail off a bit. And then he rounds back usually in time for the Breeders' Crown and the TVG. We saw that a couple of years ago when he won both races. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, I think we're looking at temperatures by post time that night, probably in the upper 40, so it's a little bit on the cooler side. That should play to his advantage. He's not going to have to pace in 47 here. And, uh, you know, I think if Jingro grabs hold of the racetrack and takes charge, he has a chance to – to steal this race. 
Darren Zocali, Director of Operations at the Meadowlands. Darren, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Listen, before we let you go, we got to talk about it. What was that, about an 80-yard field goal by Goskowski to beat you guys? You know, it was uh, – I mean, the clock management, again, at the end of the game was horrendous. I really don't know what they're thinking about. They, I mean, they've given away three games in, in the final minute and a half. It's, if you think about, you know, the loss to Atlanta, the loss to Dallas, the loss to New England, uh, it's funny because this team is not that good. And yet they're like a couple of heartbeats away of being from being eight and two, which is scary to say, but it's actually the truth. And, and they but had you know, the game one when yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say, I mean, you know, they've played well. I mean, it's not like they haven't played well, they especially did. over the last couple of weeks. They they've actually played pretty darn good football. Yeah, I don't think they could have played much better. Uh, and to be honest with you, when Collins catches the interception, and we're not even having this conversation, they win the game. Unfortunately. He was injured and dropped it when he hit the ground. And and when that happened, you knew that they were going to lose the game. The problem is they have a tough schedule going the rest of the way. I think they're an 8-8 team at best. And uh, my feeling is that Philly, even with their quarterback situation, is probably going to find a way to beat them them out for the division. You know, on my team, the Detroit Lions won in Lambeau Field for the first time (laughs) since 1991. Darren, I was a sophomore in high school. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, I was shocked. I mean the way the way that that team had been playing and Stafford throwing interceptions all over the place and you know they're trying to run the bell and Abdullah is not going anywhere and Joint Bell's been a non-factor and hurt at times all year and Calvin obviously doesn't look like the Megatron of old. I was absolutely astonished that they won that game. Well, Darren, I'll tell you real quick before I uh, let you go. I was at the Cider Steaks dinner on um, gosh on Sunday night and. Uh, all, everybody at our table is a Buffalo fan, and I could see the TV from our table. And when New England scored the field goal, I about wanted to go through the ceiling. Okay, I enjoyed my food a lot better that night because of that field goal. Yeah, it's uh, you know, look, it's one. You know, gotta give the Giants credit though; they always play that team tough. It's uh, it's incredible it that no matter what they got going on, they they always find a way to rise to that team. Uh, that's why if they if they find a way to get to the Super Bowl, you just hope that they play the Patriots. That's right. Well, Darren, well, we certainly appreciate you uh, coming on and joining us tonight, and uh, we hope to have you on again uh, real soon. It'd be my pleasure anytime, guys. Enjoy the racing this weekend. Hopefully we put on a good show for you, and uh, a happy Thanksgiving to uh, to you, you, you and your family as well. You as well, Darren. Thanks, All right, Take thanks, care. Darren. All right, Darren. That was Darren Zocali, the director of operations uh, for director of racing operations for the Meadowlands. I guess we've got one more break to take, Mike. It'll be a short one. When we come back, we'll wrap things up on post time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand in hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter and Mike Bozich with you. A quick programming note, uh, we will be on next Wednesday. Uh, due to Thanksgiving holiday being on Thursday, we'll be gone on Wednesday uh, at 7 o'clock. We're going to cover the Courageous Lady at Northfield Park. Uh, track announcer Ayers Ratliff will be joining us. And uh, we want to take a quick time out or now and just wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, Mike, real quick before we close out the show, uh, you got anything else? Uh, no, not really. Just, uh, you know, wanted to uh, give our uh, heartfelt condolences, obviously, to the, the tragedy that uh, occurred in Paris and um and on behalf of all of us at Mike and Mike, I don't think really words can descri- can describe what a tragedy that was. Um, so uh, certainly our prayers and uh, our well wishes uh, to all the families involved and to all the first responders and uh, to everybody that was uh, involved in that unfortunate tragedy uh, overseas. Yeah, Mike, that was definitely uh, one of the uh, bigger tragedies we've seen. And I know that uh, Yonkers actually uh, simulcast to France on Sundays, and uh, they posted a graphic on their uh, on their screen to uh, let them know they were thinking about them. Well, Mike, uh, we got about sixty seconds to go. Uh, next Wednesday, uh, we'll talk about the courageous lady. Ayers Ratliff will be joining us. It's been a great time. Yeah, and just a, a couple of quick 
things. I know we didn't get to our headline segment, but Nuncio won the Sobala Grand Prix for four-year-old Toronto's. I'm sure we'll talk to Brandon down the road about that. And the Yonkers, Yonkers International Trot is scheduled for 2016, October 15th. It'll be going for a cool million. So there's a there's your quick abbreviated version of headlines. All right, guys. Well, we want to wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving for Mike Bozich. This is Mike Carter. We thank you for joining us here this evening. We'll see you on Wednesday next week, post of 7 o'clock.